Welcome to another edition of the Journey of Hope. Glad you could be with us today. The Journey of Hope is a podcast that's especially designed to address the issues that men and women face after incarceration. Got a good show today. We're going to be talking about grief. A lot of us have had to grieve the life that we had prior to incarceration because it doesn't exist anymore. We're going to talk about that and we'll be right back after this. As always, love to hear from you. Mathers Rodney at yahoo.com. Got an idea for a show? Got an idea for a topic? Let me know. Mathers Rodney at yahoo.com. M A T H E R S R O D N E Y at yahoo.com. and welcome back. My guest today is Frank DeMaio. He's got a new book called A Promise Made, A Promise Kept, A Husband's Journey Through Journaling to Heal the Loss of His Spouse. Frank, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Rodney, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak with you and uh, your listening audience. Okay. Well, the first thing we like to do always is to ask our guests to give us a little bit of their background information. Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, I grew up in the smallest state in the Union, Rhode Island, and has uh, 400 miles of coastline. Uh, most of the residents from my state have the designated uh, description to say that they grew up with sand between their toes because of that. 400 miles, water everywhere. Yes, I, I grew up uh, in the restaurant business. My parents, uh, but at the time I was 11 years old, opened up a diner. And that was kind of like a family thing. My grandfather had one. And then my parents followed suit. But uh, originally, my mother uh, worked for the phone company. And she was a long-distance operator. Uh, my dad was uh, a master welder and traveled from state to state working for construction companies. And uh, I had a, a blessed, youthful period of time uh, as far as growing up. But there were moments of uh, trauma that I didn't really recognize until oh, 20 years ago. Kind of those those little subtle things that uh, you don't think anything about. And you just figure everybody had those experiences, but in reality, they were, it's not true. But they piled up and... Uh, it had a lot to do with abuses, but not from my parents, people outside, uh, friends of the family, things of that nature. It was just, you know, uh, classmates, they have a little bit of impact and things that occur. Teachers, uh, I went to an elementary school, uh, Catholic, and I'm left-handed, and in the fifties you weren't you weren't left-handed you were right-handed and if you were left-handed you got 
the wooden ruler across your knuckles. <laughs> wow. And uh, that's horrible, you know, man. Well, it is. And <laughs> and on top of that, I had as a kid, I had four cowlicks. Now a cowlick is like a, a spike of hair that grows out of your head. So like when you get a rah rah cut, by the time it starts to get longer, you got these alfalfa type growths yeah. coming out of the head. Well, I had four of them. Mm. And the guns uh, would that would drive them up a wall. So what they do is they would take bobby pins and pin my hair down. Great. <laughs> then, Great. then of course, if you don't answer correctly, and then you you know you're in the left-handed and you go whack, you get sent to the corner, and you get you get to wear the 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 dunce crown for a period of time because right. it's just not fitting in. Okay, so we we're getting the picture here. You had a a rough let's fast forward a little bit and let's talk about in your adulthood and let's talk a little bit about your wife too my wife judith uh was my second marriage and we the joy love and happiness that and the unconditional appreciation and acceptance that we both had for for one another nourished everything that we wanted to do as far as our ideas and our dreams and both of us came out of previous marriages uh, that failed but for we we just we were meant to be it was funny because we were like ships in the night growing up uh, we grew up probably three blocks away from one another never met one of our older brothers had a paper route and I did also. And then after we were married, come to find out, the both of us went to the same broken down garage that had a leaky roof to pick up our newspapers to run our route. Huh. Small world. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had no idea. How old were you when you married? Uh, let's see. This was 1993. So I was uh, 43. Okay. So and, uh, entering your midlife, you, you're starting a new marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, how long were you married before there came this horrible news? Uh, we were together and married for a little over 15 years. Okay. it's quite a bit of time. Yeah. And tell us about that part of this story uh upon her diagnosis uh you know naturally we're both in shock but the biggest issue was i felt ill-equipped uh i couldn't handle the negative emotion of 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 trying to to be what I was taught to be growing up. In other words, in the 50s and 60s, you are influenced as a male by the patriarchal environment. Your father, your uncles, your grandfather, all taught you by experience. An example. And to be stoic, to have answers, 
and to be protective of the family. Well, that all went right out the window because none of that had any potential of being helpful when the other foot was in the world of disease and my wife's uh, receiving treatment for the insidiousness of breast cancer. So I truly felt ill-equipped, compromised by what has been called negative self-talk. The I can't do this or I can't do that. Don't do this or don't do that. And that is a reflection of our upbringing. So you, you, you discovered that you were doing a lot of that? Yes. Okay. And how, how did you discover that? What, how did you discover that you were, what made you aware of that? Uh, just the fact, I mean, being a chiropractic physician, you're taking care of other people's situations, mm-hmm. being helpful, and you're correcting things for them. Suddenly, I had no ability to have the answers to help my wife. I felt hopeless, lost. I went into periods of emotional isolation simply because I didn't know what to do. And, and you, you get frustrated and you create barriers, you create fortresses around yourself. And it leads to depression, You're despondent, lowered self-image. Like I said, you seek isolation. But... The one saving factor in in those initial phases was the fact that my wife and I started a journal. Now, she jumped right in. Me? Forget it. I was tapping the table, twirling the pen, drawing stick figures. I couldn't come to the point of... (laughs) Did I I read somewhere... Excuse me just a second, but did I read somewhere where... You, you, you know, doodling was how you started. Is that right? Yes. Was that you? Yes. Okay. So the doodling was, <laughs> it was yeah, to get, get it, it rolling. That's good. A lot of weeks, you know, I would say a couple of months before I actually felt comfortable enough to put my emotions on paper. And when I started to see the words that I was writing, I began to recognize that I was expressing emotions that I didn't even realize were in me. You know, the anger and, uh, and the, the anger, a lot of anger, a lot of anger. Um, but it, it, it helps your senses. In other words, you're writing it as an act. Mm-hmm. You're seeing what you're writing. And if you're reading it, you're hearing it. And those are all parts of your sensory mm-hmm. system to receive the prompts of the environment. Of what let, let me stop you just right there. I got, I got a couple of questions for you. Um, sure. So you, you find that just just the act of journaling, uh, journaling has been cathartic for you it has helped you 
Um, and, and you started off not even writing. You started doodling. And yeah. I, yeah. So I, I just want to ask you for people that may be thinking about doing just so did you just get like a, a spiral notebook and a pen? I mean, is that what you, is that yeah, is course, that how you I, get started? Yeah. You know, those little uh, uh, pocket flip notepads yeah. that probably up or two inches wide. Um, that's what I started with. Of course, my wife, I bought hardcover journal. I just didn't think that I would have the, <laughs> I didn't think I would be doing it, but uh, it, you know, I came around and when I did, I filled up like three or four of those. I went ahead and, and uh, purchased a lot empty book style journal and continued. And I still journal today. You know, uh, Frank, a lot of people that listen to this show are primarily people that have been formerly incarcerated and they're looking for ways to cope with this new life that they have. And the, you know, the reason your story jumped out at me is people that have been to prison that say were professionals prior to going to prison. Uh, I'll just give you an example. When I was there, there was a chiropractor there. We called him Doc. Uh, we had uh, two police officers I knew that were incarcerated with me. And, and they're uh, the head coach of a baseball team, high school baseball team. So there, there were people who, here's my point, when they came out of there, they had to grieve their previous life and because that life no longer existed. And um, what I was hoping to get from you today, Frank, is how in the world did you manage the grief? And I know you say there's not steps to it. It's more of an attitude, right? Can you tell us how you did that? I sure can. Um, first of all, Granted, I was never. However, I don't feel that someone who is coming out of that environment and coming back into a social element is, in my standing, from my perspective, no different than someone who has sustained a major trauma in their life because they are traumatized. They may not be socially accepted. They may, they may have been put into that situation because of choice, but there's an element that there are three, three A's I call them to absorb, which is to acknowledge, to assimilate, which is to label and to accept what the emotion is. Now, there's a reason for those. They are the basis. But then you move forward to the W's and the H, and that is to accept the what of the cause, the why of reaction, which may have put where you were, 
within myself. And the how of resolve. If you can work with those and accept yourself, because that's the first real step. Accepting by self this. Yeah, okay. May have been intentional or it may have been driven by passion. Mine happened to have been driven by passion. But I didn't get incarcerated. Right. I think if I had, I probably would have come to those elements a hell of a lot. Yeah. A few years to, to come to position where I could make a connection with myself mm-hmm. and move forward by allowing myself the opportunity to grieve. So there's a, a level of acceptance of the, the grief and the despair of being a husband who's lost their spouse. And I don't think, like I said before, that someone who would spend time in prison is any different than myself from that traumatic level. Mm -hmm. All of us who sustained, you can't tell me that you didn't feel traumatized. Well, you'd be hard-pressed to find... uh anyone that did any considerable amount of time that like came from a professional type of background and then went into that environment for five to seven, eight, whatever years, uh, they've got PTSD, I guarantee you. Oh yeah. And, um, a lot of guys are being treated for it. And I'm just glad that, you know, people kind of realize that PTSD comes there too. Listen, Frank, I, I feel like we could just go on this all day. I wish I had more time. I don't. I want to thank you for being on the journey of hope today. And just real quick, before we go, what is something you would like for us to know about your wife? Uh, she was an amazing woman. She was a blessing in my life. She taught me the element of pause. Pause leads and forethought is the basis for response rather than reaction, which is specifically from the nervous system being sympathetic, the fight or flight. She taught me how to step back and take a moment of pause to smell the roses in a sense and be mindful of what it is that the emotion is that I and I hope that your listeners would consider that as an opportunity for them to find pause in their life and not feel as though they always are thrown into a reactive and defensive fight or flight mode mm-hmm. We certainly will accept that and certainly will 
activated in our lives. And I want to thank you so much for being here. I know your books are on Amazon. You've got two books. One's called, uh, I'm sorry, The Best Ships. Was that right? And the other was the one we were talking about today, A Promise Made, A Promise Kept, A Husband's Journey Through Journaling to Heal the Loss of His Spouse. Frank DeMio, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us. Remember, if God is for you, who can be against you? We'll see you next time right here on The Journey of Hope.